0: Of studying a lot of these things and I've enjoyed reading and studying about military campaigns and the strategies that were used to win such battles. It's very intriguing to me to study the styles and the strategies of famous generals as well as their personalities as they would use their leadership to lead their armies into campaigns. I've read of George Washington and Nathaniel Green in the Revolutionary War. I've read of Ulysses S. Grant, Robert E. Lee, and Jeb Stewart, as well as Stonewall Jackson in the Civil War. I've studied and enjoyed reading about Dwight Eisenhower and Douglas MacArthur, the British General Omar Bradley, and also the German General Erwin Romo from World War II. I've discovered that there are a few basic things that each one of these generals wants to know before engaging in a battle. The number one question is very obviously, he wants to know something about the enemy that he's going to be facing. Enormous amounts of money is spent to gather intelligence information Counterintelligence information. What are the enemy's strengths? Generals study that. They also want to know where their weaknesses are so that they can exploit them. They study the tactics that have been used in past engagements and battle campaigns, the weapons that their enemy has used or that they possess in their arsenal so that they may know how to defend against them. And after that, every good general also honestly wants to assess his own army. He wants to know his own strengths and weaknesses. He wants to evaluate the training that his troops has went through. They take inventory of the weapons that are in their own arsenal, and they want to know if they're in good working order and if they've been maintained. And then finally, every good general wants to know something about the terrain that the battle itself will be fought upon. They want to know something about the battlefield. And So in terms of this spiritual battle that you and I are involved in and all of us are fighting in, this spiritual battle that we're all fighting for the salvation of our soul, and we know that of course we have an enemy. And it's important that we prepare to face that enemy. The Bible tells us in first Peter chapter number five and verse eight be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. And when I've read that passage through the years, I've always always been encouraged by that word may. It didn't say that he will devour. It didn't say that it's certain that he would devour. But it only says that he may devour suggesting that there is a place that a saint of god can live that they're beyond the reach and beyond the attack and are protected from the onslaught of the enemy also it's important that we understand our strengths through jesus christ i think it's important for each of us to evaluate that from time to time it's not in our flesh it's It's not in our own ability. It's not in anything that we possess on our own. But it's through our help that comes from the Lord. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcame them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We also, along with all of these things, need to take inventory of of our own spiritual arsenal. We need to realize what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 and verse 4 For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ we have in our arsenal according to the word of god we have the name the bible tells us that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved that at this knee at this name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess It doesn't matter what we're up against, what the opposition is, or how powerful it says to be. I know that I have a name that is all-powerful. We also have the blood of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation tells us that we are made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Can I tell you that the blood is a weapon that the devil fears. The blood is something that can protect us. The devil cannot transgress where the blood has placed a line. That is a boundary that he cannot cross. That is something that he cannot transgress. Can I also tell you, just as this verse says, that we're made overcomers by the word of our testimony, that your testimony is also a weapon that you have. What is that? That is going back in your mind and remembering what God has done for you times that he's blessed you how that he's answered prayers for you how he's worked in your life over and over again that gives you faith that gives you assurance that if he did that for me then he can do this for me now I can believe God that he's a prayer answer in my present situation <laughs> which leads me to my next my next point the the, the most powerful weapon that any any saint of God has is this weapon of prayer. I know sometimes when discouragement comes, I know when disappointments seem to overwhelm us, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll stop praying. We'll allow the enemy to talk us out of praying. We'll think that it's to no avail. But you've got to remember that prayer is something the devil fears because he knows what the Scripture says, that the effectual, fervent prayer Of a righteous man availeth much. There's much that can happen. People can be strengthened. They can be encouraged. They can be healed. They can be delivered. God can move in situations where to man it is impossible. When God's people pray. Something about the prayer of a saint of God that is full of the Holy Ghost. Been baptized in the name of Jesus. And is living An overcoming righteous life, it avails much, the Bible says. And then let's not forget worship and the effect that worship has. Worship, we know, brings us into the presence of God. And we know that when we worship the Lord, we feel his strength and we feel his power and his glory. But I remember what the psalmist said. He said, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. There's something about it when God's people begin to lift him up and begin to praise and to magnify the Lord. The enemies of God are scattered. Confusion comes to the enemy's camp when God's people worship and give praise to him. I just want to state to you that our weapons are superior. However, there's one thing that I want to focus on in this sermon here tonight, and that is the battlefield. That's that's what I want to talk about in the remainder of our time. It's already been determined that the enemy is no match for a Holy Ghost-filled child of God. We've already told you that greater is he that is within us than he that is in the world. We already know that we have the armor of God that we can put on and be protected And we have a good defense against the enemy's attacks. We all know that we are able to defeat the devil when he challenges us. That because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross, he is already a defeated foe. It's already been determined that we have superior weapons in our arsenal. You and I, we we have things that the Lord has Given to us. We have the word of God. This is what the Lord used against the enemy when he was in the wilderness and being tempted of the devil. He again and again said it is written. And eventually the scripture tells us that the devil fleed from him. The Bible tells us that when we resist him with the word of God. There's power. There's authority. There's strength that comes Through the word of the Lord. But as I have so often taught this church. The enemy is always looking for opportunity. That's why the scripture says. Neither give place to the devil. In other words. He is always looking for a foothold. He's not going to necessarily try after a powerful Sunday night service to jump on a saint of God that has just experienced victory and try to attack them and try to find a foothold in their life. But he's looking for that one that may be going through a time of discouragement. He's looking to that one that for whatever reason life has become taxing and they have not been praying perhaps as they have prayed in the past or... They've been separated from the house of God because of sickness or a situation in their life. He's looking for that person that is spiritually weak. Maybe, maybe they've had some circumstances that's caused little doubts to enter into their mind. And so he plays on any weakness that he can find. He tries his very best to get a foothold in people's life. And this, my friends, is what I call the battlefield of life. There's a lot of things that we can stop. There's a lot of things that we can avoid. There's a lot of things that we can take precautions against, even spiritually. There's a lot of things that we can help ourselves in overcoming by not participating or not being involved in those things or not being around those people. Are knowing our own weaknesses. We develop certain convictions and say, you know what, I'm just not going uh, to partake in those things because I want to stay spiritually strong. We also develop good spiritual habits of prayer and fasting and reading the Word of God and, of course, coming to the house of God or connecting to a service just like this. And this keeps us strong. But you know, there's nothing... That is going to entirely inoculate us from life itself. Life is going to have to be lived on this earth. And as long as life is lived on this earth. There's going to be woes. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficulties. Sadly there's going to be sickness. There's even going to be death. I've been thinking this week about a precious saint of God. That means so much to this church. That has passed from this life. But really in a better place. And that's Sister Patsy Ray. And I've been thinking about her. And the life and the legacy that she has left. Landmark Pentecostal Church. An example that all of us can follow. To stay strong in the Lord. To be faithful to God. To be a worshiper. I can't tell you how many times. Her and Brother Ray have read their Bible through. Annually. And we've awarded them the certificate that they've read their Bible through. I can't tell you how many times since we started this that they have done this each year. And it's a commendable thing. And uh, I've missed Sister Ray being in church services with us over the last long while. But one thing I know is ladies like this and people, people that have gone even before her that have been saints of God in this church They strengthen us and they help us to know that we too can make it. That there's nothing that the enemy throws against us. There's nothing that we encounter in life that we cannot overcome as long as we hold to Jesus. As long as we keep our faith strong and continue to trust the Lord. And so we understand that we are on a battlefield that is called life. And... It's that battlefield that often we don't talk about. We talk about the enemy. You hear a lot of teaching and preaching about how to avoid the pitfalls and the traps and the snares that the enemy might lay before you. We hear a lot of preaching encouraging us about the weapons of our warfare. We hear a lot of preaching encouraging us about the spirit of the Lord that we have on the inside of us that always maketh us to triumph. And those are needful things to be encouraged in. But can I just remind you that there is a thing that we don't often address, but it doesn't take away from its reality, and that is that there is going to be problems in this life. Job made this assessment. He said that this life is a few days and full of trouble. There's going to be troubles in this life. There's going to be situations In this life. And we're going to have to learn. What we're going to do. When we're faced with those situations. How are we going to respond. Because you know. That your reaction. And your response to certain things. Has everything to do with your success. And overcoming them. It's how we prepare for them ahead of time. And then when that time comes. What we do. It's not time for us. To allow fear to consume us. But it's time for us to allow that faith that we've nurtured and that we've kept and that we've fought for since we've been living for God, to let that emerge strong and say, God, I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust you. In this particular text that I read to you from this afternoon, we know that this is around the time that Absalom had rose up against his father David and there was a battle that ensued in the wood of Ephraim an area, a wilderness that was there. And evidently, it was a pretty rugged area and terrain. And this battle was set in array on this rugged terrain of Ephraim. And Absalom, we know from study of his life, that he had long flowing hair. And he was riding in this rugged terrain, and he rode on the back of a mule and rode up under the boughs of an oak. And his head, the Bible says, we're assuming by the hair of his head, was caught in the boughs of that oak. And the Bible says a very in- interesting statement. It says that he was taken between the heaven and the earth. What a precarious place to be, between the heaven and the earth. And the mule that he was riding up on went away and left him there. And so here he was in a very vulnerable position. Here he was, open to the attack and defenseless against the enemy. In this case, was uh, the captain of the host of David's army was Joab. And he was told that Absalom was there. And he came, and the scripture says that he put darts through his heart. And he killed him there as he hang in that tree. And I begin to think about this scenario. How that this would have never happened had he not been in such a rugged battlefield. Fighting this battle. If it had been an open terrain, this would have probably never taken place. This story would have never ended just like this. It would have never happened just like this. But because of this rugged Wilderness terrain that they were fighting this battle on. It made it easy for the enemy to destroy Absalom's life. I'm not here to talk about all of the things that were wrong with Absalom. Or his rebellion against David. But I'm just focusing on this one little part here. And telling you that he became vulnerable. And it was this wilderness and this battlefield that he was on that caused him to become vulnerable. Can I tell you that life, if you're not extremely careful, can catch you between heaven and earth. I think it's important that we keep our view and our focus upon heaven. We stay full of the Holy Ghost and prayerful every day. We not allow the circumstances of life and the situations that we have to face in life to weaken us and to cause us to become vulnerable prey to the enemy. I think we ought to take the admonishment of the scripture that I quoted earlier and not give place to the devil. We we have to be aware that life is going to have problems and situations, and we have to navigate it as best we can through the help of of the Lord, We have to avoid every pitfall that we possibly can. Every snare that the enemy may lay before us that we possibly can. But we're living in a day when the wood is devouring more than the sword is devouring. People are getting caught up in life. People are allowing themselves to get caught up in all of the fear mongering that is going on in this world. And they're allowing that to diminish their faith in God. They're allowing themselves to get up, get involved and caught up in the hatred of politics and the hatred of everything that is occurring and going on in this world. We need to remember, folks, that we're not of this world. But we're only pilgrims. We're only passing through. We're only sojourners. We're preparing for a city whose builder and maker is God. We're someday going home to be with the Lord in heaven forever. We're not living entirely for this world. I know we have to live in this world, but we're not of this world. And we need to always keep our identity straight. We need to understand that we need to stay strong and prayerful and keep our focus upon Him. There's a lot of things that can get in the minds of people, especially In the last few months, I've never seen the world in the condition that it's in right now. I've never seen the church, for that matter, face the challenges. I know in my ministry of, well, 27, 28 years full-time preaching ministry, I have never once in all of that time seen us faced with the challenges that we're faced with right now. However... I know that God is still with us. I know that God is going to lead us. And I know this, that he never brings us to a place that he will not see us through. He brought the children out of of the Egyptian bondage, but he did not leave them there. He brought them out to the Red Sea, and it looked like a hopeless situation. But if he brought them to the Red Sea, he let them to know that he would take them through the Red Sea. And that's exactly what he did. And he'll do the same for you. So I want you to be encouraged as our musicians come. And I want you to understand that this, while it's a warning that life, the circumstances of life, uh, the, the issues that all of us have to To grapple with in life. All of those things. They're going to happen. They're going to occur. But let's don't allow them to wrap their tentacles around us so much. That we become consumed with the things down here. More than we're consumed with making ourselves ready to meet the Lord. I want to remind you. I want to to encourage you in the Holy Ghost. Don't allow life. Don't allow a job. Don't allow family issues and problems. Don't allow health situations. Don't allow all the things that are going on in politics and in government. Don't allow that to consume you to the point that it saps your faith. But be encouraged in the Holy Ghost. And know that God has given me the victory over everything. If I'll trust in him.